Well, I was really concerned that most of you couldn't make it tonight because of the sequestration law that went into effect today. But I'm really glad to see that you've overcome. And you found a way to bypass these idiots in Congress. So, I just want you to know that we'll be here on Friday night. We'll be open, the lights will be on, the candles will be lit, and we'll be ready to go. So, but you guys can pray for me in April because you know what I'm really worried about? I got to fly to Berlin. And they're planning on four-hour wait lines in customs. I'm thinking about canceling my flight, by the way. If that actually occurs, that will, I won't even go into it. It'll just be really difficult. But we'll overcome somehow. Maybe I'll just have a private plane take me over. <laughs> right. You'll all pitch in, right? Maybe a dollar ahead. That'll get me there on a private plane. It's good to see all of you tonight. It really is. And you know what's so comforting to know is the Lord is in our life and over our life and over our world. And um, it just gives me a lot of confidence to face the day because... You see some of the things that are going on and you wonder, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Maybe the post office won't deliver mail on Saturday anymore. They are coming out with a new clothing line though and I'm real tempted to change my look. I guess we'll see what new and exciting styles they come out with. Only our government would consider a postal service clothing line when they are $50 billion in debt. It's just... Unbelievable. We should pray. Let's do that. Yes, we should pray for this country. Lord, we just thank you tonight for your faithfulness in our lives, for your goodness, Lord. And that, Lord, you, you are the possessor of all wisdom and all goodness, and you are over all things, all the craziness down here. No matter which continent we look at, Lord, there's so much craziness going on and tragedy. And you reign. And you reign in our lives and you promise to work all things together for our good. We thank you that we have that promise tonight. We thank you you are our personal God. And we ask you, Lord, tonight for our nation. So much of what's going on, Lord, isn't really a laughing matter. It's a tragedy. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd give our leaders common sense, good sense, upright hearts the fear of God, and a real desire to serve the people that put them there. We ask you, Heavenly Father, tonight that you'd speak to us from your word. It's so ironic we're talking about leading ourselves well. And I just thank you, Lord, tonight that you have given us the ability through Jesus Christ that no matter how our leaders may fail us, you will not fail us. And that no matter how many times they may fail to lead, we do not need to fail in our leadership of ourselves. Help us, Lord, to be the kind of leaders that you want us to be. Help us, Heavenly Father, not to wait around for others to lead us, but to lead ourselves through the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct our time tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, each week I've been starting with a couple of letters from people here in the congregation, and I want you to know it's been so encouraging, the ones that you all have been sending me, and I'd be glad anytime you want to write to me, mark at rockthechurch.com, I'll read your email, I'll write you back nicely too, I promise. 
If there's something you don't like or something I said that rubbed you wrong or didn't understand it, or feel free to write me. I, I, I sincerely mean that. Mark at rockthechurch.com. <clears throat> but it's been really touching to receive some of the emails that some have written to me about changes that they're bringing to their life during this series. And I wanted to illustrate uh, the message topic that we're going to talk about tonight with a couple of these emails. Tonight is entitled, Lead Yourself Well in Your Faith. As a Christian, I've struggled to understand and accept the love and the grace of God. I could always believe that it applied to others, but there's always been a number of reasons as to why I believed it didn't apply to me. My mistakes, my failures, they haunt me constantly. The voices would ring so loud in my ears and the memories were the top of my mind. This kept me believing that God could never see past them. Not understanding and accepting God's love and grace kept me chained to my past and always trying to hide my current failings. It also kept me constantly seeking the approval of others in my life. It's been a prison of self-condemnation and of never feeling worthy or that I get it right. As you can imagine, this has had a negative impact on my marriage and in my parenting. My desire to accomplish, please, and give the appearance that I've got it all under control has led me to exhaustion, impatience, and anger. A few months ago, I sought counsel from Mark regarding my anger and my impatience, specifically in dealing with my children. My temper gets the best of me more than I'd care to admit, and it breaks my heart to see the look in their little faces when I get angry. I was desperate for change. He recommended some messages and encouraged me to listen to them over and over and over again. <clears throat> I've been doing just that every morning. I get up, pop my headphones in, and listen to these messages to get a clear understanding that my failings have not only already been paid for, but I don't need to spend one minute being disappointed with myself or hiding from God. He doesn't love me despite those things. <clears throat> he loves me because I'm his daughter. As I've been walking through this journey, one of the most revolutionary things I'm learning is that God's opinion of me is the only one that matters. This has been an incredible feeling, feeling of freedom for me. The opinions of others have at times caused me to doubt myself. The decisions we were making as a family and sometimes even paralyzed me socially. Oftentimes I would replay conversations I'd had during the day to see if I had said something that other person thought was stupid. Or could have offended them. Mark shared this quote in his recent Grasping Grace series about the time when God showed him he was putting others' opinions above God's. How can you have a dynamic, meaningful faith in God when what really motivates you, what, what's really on your mind, is what others think about you? The opinion of others matters more to you than my opinion. In fact, your own opinions of yourself matter more to you than my opinions. You think more about your own view of yourself, your negative thought is, than you ever regard my opinions of you. And until that stops, you'll never have a dynamic and vibrant faith. The Holy Spirit pierced my words and my heart so deeply with this story, I was practically pinned to my seat. That described where I was perfectly, focusing on what God says about me and washing my mind with the truth every day is bringing joy and peace to my life I have never known. 
The more I fill my mind up with what God says about me, the less room there is for the opinions of others. Believing and accepting God's love and grace is freeing me from being wrapped up in the opinion of others and myself. It has given me greater conviction in the choices we are making as a family and at the same time allows me to acknowledge that others are doing with their family. Put my head back down and say, that's wonderful, but this is what God has for us in this moment. One of my prayers for my daughters is that they will be deeply rooted in their identity in Christ to the point that the opinions of others will not make them question who God made them. But how can I expect that to happen when I'm not basking in the freedom and joy of my own identity in Christ? I'm thankful that God has me on this journey and that is changing so many aspects of my life. Experiencing the love of Christ has been changing everything. Before I read this next email, I want to comment on this. Tonight we're going to talk about leading yourself well in your faith. And the whole premise of this message series is to help you understand that God has given you the power and the ability and the responsibility to lead your own life. And that the precious possession of a man or woman is diligence, stick-to-itiveness, that you keep keeping on and you change your life. You have the God-given ability to change your life. You can change your health. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're going to have perfect health, but I'm saying you can be better than most people's are experiencing today. You can lead yourself financially. You can lead yourself in your emotions, in your attitudes, and your desires. You can lead yourself in your daily habits. You can lead yourself to a more disciplined and productive life and a more joyful life. But the single most important area that you and I must lead ourselves in because it's the foundation of all the others is in your faith in Jesus Christ and your relationship with God. Growing in your faith affects every area of your life. Every single area. So here we have a young woman. I've known this young lady for many years, actually. And I'm going to get to this tonight because we're going to talk about simple things. And I mean this. This is not complicated. Simple things that you can do that I guarantee will grow your faith. So this is a young person that's been coming, I would say, for at least 10 years. And this person, if they're here tonight... They know I love them with all my heart. So I don't mean this. I mean this as a profound illustration, and I was so touched they sent me this email. For 10 years, all these years that you know me, I've shared with you some of the same basic principles and truths. Now, I don't always share the same series, but I'm just saying that I've shared these things over and over and over. And here we have a situation where finally and wonderfully, this young person said, Enough is enough. I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. And they decided, and we're going to get to this my first point tonight, to get serious and make a commitment and take action. So they got good counsel. Trust me, I'm not getting perfect counsel. I'll give you good counsel. This is what I do for a living. And I've been doing it for a long time, and I lived it before I ever tried to share it with anybody else. 
I practiced this very thing. And this person knew this. I took tape messages and listened to truth over and over every day for a solid year. I averaged 14 hours a week and it transformed my life. So I recommended to this young person in light of the things they shared with me, the issues that they were struggling with, I sent them links to the Strong Disciple site of about probably 10 or 15 messages. I encouraged them for the next four, five, six months, listen to one of them every single day. Every day. Wash your mind with new truth. Get a new grip. And in the email I returned, I also gave them hope and encouragement and confidence that God can change. What has happened as a result? They took action. They took action. And their life is changing. This isn't make-believe. This is in the arena of life. This is a person really struggling, loves their children, wants something to change. Circumstances haven't changed. They still have the same kinds of things in their life that bring frustration, that cause a mother to want to lose her temper, but she's growing and she's developing and she's getting a whole new perspective about God because she got serious, she made a commitment, and she took action. There's not a person in this room who can't do the same thing. Not one person in this room who cannot do the same thing. <clears throat> I had a meeting last week. I've had a number of them, but I had one last week. So touching, meeting with a young, young believer. God has just been working in their lives, and, 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 and it's just their moment. In our conversation, we're having over coffee, just this is my moment. And then I followed up with an email, and the individual said, you know, Mark, I left our meeting unlike I've left others. I just... I, this, is, this is my time. I'm going in a new direction in my life. I'm making a commitment in a way that I hadn't before. I received this email yesterday, just out of the blue, very touching. <clears throat> Mark, I wanted to say thanks or see if you could pass along a thank you for me. I greatly appreciate that all your messages are available online and that it's possible to download all of them for free. So if you could pass along a thank you from me to whoever set up the website, that would be awesome. I'm a freshman at the University of Minnesota, meaning I do a lot of walking throughout the week. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is very profound, and anybody here can do this, and it will change your life. I do a lot of walking throughout the week, and I never feel quite right walking without listening to my iPod. Well, there you go. How many students do you see like that or people? Well, for a lot of people, it's their smartphone. Over the last couple weeks, I've been downloading messages in the morning before I go out and listening to them throughout the day as I stand in line at Starbucks, walk to class, or whatever else I may be doing. I want to say again, thank you so much for these messages and taking the time to make them available for free. I definitely enjoy listening to messages. It's a lot more encouraging listening to the spoken truth of God than to listen to the latest Billboard Hot 100 songs all day. Not that I don't enjoy the occasional music jam session. That's fine. You have my permission to do that. Once a month for five minutes. <laughs> I, I'm joking. That's up to you to decide. I want to illustrate again. Here's an individual. <clears throat> In the normal course of a day. This is what I mean by Christianity and growing in Christ is not 
complicated. We make it a way of life. It becomes part of our life. So she's walking back and forth to class. Well, you know, you could walk around like a zombie. Just walk to class, staring in space. Or using the same time, walking across the sidewalk, you've got something positive, profound, coming into your ears, registering in your mind, building up your spirit, and helping you grow by leaps and bounds. My messages, in one way, are like steroids, and it's okay if you use these. They will help you grow far greater, far faster than if you didn't listen to those types of things. I'm not saying you replace the Bible. We're going to get to that in a moment. I'm just saying they will give you a huge leg up because that's the role that God gave leaders in our life was to equip us, to build us up in our faith, to help us grow, to impart their wisdom to us that if I weren't to listen to them, it might take me years to understand what they have come to understand. So, let me share with you a couple of passages of Scripture, and then I want to just give you some very simple things that every one of you here can do tonight. And if you do them, if you take action, I promise you, your faith is going to soar. It's going to grow. This is a proverb that I go over very often, not just on the first day of the month. Today is the first day of the month, so I read it, but I go over it often. Proverbs 1, verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the marketplace, she lifts her voice. At the noisy intersection, she calls. In the entrance of the city gate, she speaks her words. How long, O simple one, will you love being simple? Another word for simple is naive, dumb. How long will you scoffers delight in their mocking and fools despise knowledge? Turn to me. Turn to... This is God speaking. Remember, this is God speaking. When we read the Word of God, it's God speaking to us. Turn to my reproof. Look, I will pour out my Spirit on you. I will disclose my truth, my words to you. I'll let you know them. Because I have sought you and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one responded. And you have treated all my counsel lightly. You would have none of my reproof. Lightly. You know nothing. I'll tell you honestly as a pastor. You know maybe in the top five things that burdens my heart and breaks my heart. I mean it really does. In my own time with the Lord I have shed many tears over the fact that God, they didn't listen. They heard. They heard the sound of my voice, but they didn't listen. To listen means to take action upon what one heard. That's listening. I probably sound like the parent, you know. Well, I am one. I'm a grandparent too. It's so difficult. This is why John, the apostle, said, I have no greater joy than my children are walking according to the truth. 
walking in the truth. I didn't just hear the truth. They really listened and walked in it. And yet so often, can't we? We can be this way. We go to God's word, God himself, and we just take it so lightly. We just, oh, okay, I read, we put it down. This book is power. This book is power. This book will change your life, change your relationships, your marriage, every aspect of your life. It'll change your self-confidence. It'll change your perspective of the world. It'll change you. And and I just just thought, the Lord says, "I, I sought after you. I came after you and you refused. I stretched my hand out. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will deride when terror comes to you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity hits like a whirlwind when distress and despair come upon you, then you will beseech me, but I will not answer. You will seek me diligently, but you will not find me because they despise knowledge and did not choose reverence for the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They scorned all my reproof. Therefore, they will eat the fruit of their own way They will be sated with their own counsel. For the waywardness of the simple brings their death and the complacency of fools, the self-confidence. The self-confidence. Fools are very self-confident. They're fools. I'm just going to be, I I just go down the list right now and name them in Washington, D.C. right now. Fools. Self-confident imbeciles that had over a year and a half to sit down at a table and solve our problems, but they refuse. They are fools. Because they're wayward. But listen, the one who listens to God will dwell securely and will be quiet, calm, without dread of calamity. If we just listen to God, if we just listen to God, if we listen and obey. And then I want to read this verse and then we'll go over these simple things. Proverbs 3. This verse has profound meaning to me because... Two weeks after I met the girl who become my wife, I, I went down to her college dorm room. I'd never been to the Ames before. I'd never been to Iowa State University. And I found her dorm room, and I knocked on the door, and she was out on a run, so I waited on the steps for her to come back, and I walked out in the soccer fields with her and proposed. Well, not exactly. I asked if she'd pray about marrying me someday. Two weeks after we met. No sense messing around when you find a jewel. And, but, but I asked her to pray about it. I didn't ask for a yes. And she sang me this song. We went and got the guitar because, you know, she knew I played and where we talked about music. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. And he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not think you know everything. Revere the Lord. Turn from evil. It will be healing to your body and nourishment to your bones. I've experienced that. I've experienced that in my life in many, many, many situations. You and I are going to have to decide to lead ourselves well in our faith. And if you don't get around to leading yourself well in your faith, the wheels will come off in all the other areas of your life. They'll just come off. <clears throat> At first you'll go down the road, you seem to be doing fine, and then you'll start to get that slight 
shimmy. It'll pull to the right, sometimes to the left. Then it'll start to shake, and then they'll just start, the lug nuts come off, and then a wheel, and then another, and then you're in the ditch of life because you ignored God. You cannot ignore God and get away with it. Why don't we just get that through our head now and stop and just pay full attention to him? Simple things. Number one, get serious and commit and take action in your life. I was 19 years of age when I got serious and committed and took action. 19. I've been going my own way. I lived a very, very reprobate life. I won't get into that tonight. And God got serious with me. He was reaching out his hand to me. I was just like Proverbs 1. I mean, I was a naive, ignorant, arrogant, scoffing fool. And I was going my own direction. And God in his mercy kept beseeching me, reaching out his hand to me, and uh, pushing me, actually pushing me into traffic, almost taking my life in order to put the fear of God in me, which he did. And finally one night, 19, I got down on my face and I gave God my life. And that was 38 years ago. And I have not turned back. Not for a week, not for a month. That was 38 years ago. And I went home and I immediately got serious. Immediately. This is not hard to do. I did not have anybody training me. I didn't have someone personally mentoring me. I didn't have a handbook of how to do this. I simply knew I needed to get right with God. I needed to turn my back on sin. I needed to break up with the girl that I was messing around with. That does not take a genius to understand that. I knew I cannot be immoral and follow God. I just, I can't do that. That's like saying, well, I can still keep stealing and walk with God. No, you can't. So I broke off, broke up that same night. Boom, done, over, bye. And I went home and I stayed up till two in the morning reading. Went to bed. I mean, we stay up till two in the morning when we're that young, drinking or smoking weed or doing all kinds of other crap. I guess I could stay up and read a little bit of the Word of God. And I dug out this old Bible that I was given when I was about 15. I just ignored and I pulled it out and I began to read. And it was just as someone had, you know, put glasses on. that, Like I had new eyes and God just began to speak to me. <clears throat> and over the next few days, I kept reading. I kept reading. And that's the second thing. I just started reading my Bible. You just got to start reading your Bible. I have this little two testament. I've been carrying this one around for almost 25 years. <clears throat> I just carry it around. This is the second leather cover I've put on it. It's not hard to do. I could show anybody how to do it. This is the little book's a treasure to me. I never want to lose this. And I just carry it around. <clears throat> and when I was in between sales calls, I'd sit in my car and read my Bible. I'd read my New Testament. You know why? Because I really believe this works. Because I really wanted the wisdom of God. And God just began to speak to me over and over and over and over. I began to start my mornings reading. I, on breaks, I would read my Bible. After I got off work, <clears throat> I used to be a machinist. And I'd get in my car, I'd get my backpack, I'd get my Mountain Dew. That was my Mountain Dew days. Those are done, but that was then. 
And I get my leather fringe jacket. Now it's my black motorcycle jacket. I don't have the fringe one. My wife told me the hippie days are over, so I got rid of it to honor her. But this this one stays. <laughs> of course, it was my birthday present from her, so it's staying. And um, I just drive my, my old 63 Ford Falcon out about five miles out of town to this woods. I pull back in the woods. There was this old table sitting there. <clears throat> no one ever came out there. Never came out there. It was like I, it was like it was made for me. And I'd usually stay out there for an hour, <clears throat> an hour. I'd read, and I'd walk back and forth. And I'd just talk to the God who made the trees. I love I love the outdoors. If I could just not, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be in the mountains. I absolutely, passionately love the mountains. I love being what God made. And I just talked to God. I talked to God about my life. I talked to God about my dreams. I talked to him, what do you want me to do with my life, Lord? I I want you to speak to me from this book. I want to do what this book says. I want to live it. And someday the woman I meet, I want her to want to live it. And I'm not going to marry unless I meet a woman who wants to live it together. I was praying about things, so many things. This is 19. I then began, in addition to my little Bible, I began to devour biographies. Of Christian missionaries. Hudson Taylor, Charles Wesley, Martin Luther, any I could get my hands on that were solid, that were good. I took recommendations from some other Christians that I knew who'd been following the Lord longer. My mother, my mother had some and she put me onto some and I'd grab them. And now Ryan, he goes to biblio.com and goes to all these old rare books and I get these rare ones and I bring them home and I read them because they make me thirsty seeing what God did in the lives of others. It made me in a godly way jealous, and I wanted more of God. <clears throat> I learned from the lessons that they read. So get a little Bible. Get a Lunar Testament or take your other Bible. <clears throat> or if you've got to really use your smartphone for it, fine. Get it. Have a cup of coffee. Over lunch, sit down, read. Devour the Word of God over and over and over. God will speak to you. Third thing, get to praying. Walk and talk with God. There are so many things. Did you ever stop and think about this? There's so many things to ask God for, to thank Him for, to pray about, to talk over with Him, to talk through with Him, to get His help on. My goodness. I just can't even imagine what my life would be like without being able to talk to God. I've told you this before, but it may come as a surprise. And the best human friend I have in the world is my wife. But my wife, even though she's my best friend, she can't really handle Mark. My wife can't really handle all the issues sometimes that I have or that I'm wrestling with. There are things that I talk to God about that I've never talked to Kathy about. She just couldn't couldn't take all the, the, the... gushing emotions connected with some of the things that I talk to God about before she's even out of bed. The very best friend I have in the world is the Lord. The best human friend I have is my wife. Praying is not complicated like so many of you think. It's really a matter of just starting. And I've been helping some young people begin to just start. You go out and find a place you can be alone. You go pace in your garage. I have a place out in the snow near my house and I always go out there and I just pace back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I have places around the city 
that I go when it's warm enough out. Different places I go to be alone. And I walk and I pray and I talk to God. I talk over the <clears throat> issues that are bothering me. You know, you know, to be honest, all of us, I don't know if you know this, I've, maybe I've never said this like this before, but people can bug you, can't they? <clears throat> I mean, let's just be honest. It, there's those Christians in your life, and, and we're going to get to that in a moment too. And, but maybe there's that workmate, and, and maybe they're not a Christian, and you just want to, like, rip their face off. Just, just so bad, you just want to give them a piece of your mind? How many of you ever felt anything like that? Okay, thank you. I got a few honest people over here. <clears throat> so you know what I do? This is no lie. This is what I mean by developing self-control. This is how I control myself. This is how I make it through life. I go talk over those things with God. Real honestly. <laughs> like, you know what, Lord? I want to smack them in the face. I mean, Lord, I am so sick and tired of their BS. I am so sick and tired of putting up with their pathetic selfishness. I've had it. Okay, I've just had it. I'm sick of them. And Lord, I need you to work on my heart. Of course I need you to work on my heart. I know I can't stay feeling this. I know I can't stay thinking this. But I just need to tell you how much they're making me sick right now. So help me, Lord, to deal with it. Help me to calm down. Help me, Lord, to remember the kind of treatment you got. Help me to remember, Lord, that you died to yourself. Help me to remember you gave up your rights. Help me to remember, Lord, I don't have rights. See how that works? You see how that happens? I do that in real time. I do that with real, I mean, gee, many Christmas. This is how I keep my sanity. Otherwise, listen, you're not sane. You think you're sane, but you're not sane. Inside, you've got this toxic crap. And it's bubbling inside of you. And you just try to compartmentalize it. And then you'll let it out on somebody. <clears throat> you got to learn to dump on God. The Bible commands you to dump on God. <clears throat> the Bible commands us to pray about everything. So I take him up on it. And it's changed my life. It's made me feel and be extremely close to God. We have a very close relationship. I feel very close to God. He's very real to me because I talk to him. I don't go to God and say, I have the right. No, Lord, I just want you to know I have the right to hate their guts. I mean, I hate their guts. I hate the ground they rock on. But I tell him how I'm feeling because he understands. And because if I don't talk about it, and the same is true with you, if you don't pray about it, it's going to stay there. It's going to seethe. And you're going to turn to resentment and bitterness, and it's going to poison your faith. So many things to ask God for. Man, I'm asking God. Listen, you may think this is stupid. I've got a 403B plan. I'm asking God every day to multiply that and I have a certain number in mind. I pray for it every day. I pray for my savings account. I pray for it every day. I pray for my cars. I pray that they last to 300,000 miles. I pray that every day. You can think it's stupid all you want, but some of the things I've seen happen, you wouldn't believe. I'm going to ask. God says, ask and you receive. Seek and you find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now you've asked for nothing. Ask in my name and you'll receive that your joy may be made full. You have not because you ask not. And what you have not because you ask to spend on your selfish desires. I'm not asking for my selfish desires. I'm asking the Lord. I've asked the Lord for my retirement issue, which is not. I don't plan on retiring. 
I call it an old age fund. Old age fund. Lord, I want to be able to take care of the responsibilities you've given me. I want to have money there for the gospel because I don't plan on using all of it. And I'd like to help my grandchildren, my children, as they get older. But if it can't happen, Lord, it's up to you. But I'm going to ask. There's places in the city I'm asking God to open up door for the gospel. There's people I'm praying for. Number four. Listen really carefully to this. Use your smartphone. Smart. Use your smartphone for something wise. I mean, talk on it, great. Got a calendar on it, great. But how about you load it with some messages from strongdisciple.com? And how about when you're driving in your car and you're stuck in traffic, instead of listening to the talk radio, instead of listening over here, you just turn on some truth. There's so many topics there that you could choose from. It kind of will blow your mind if you go down through it. Things that probably, as a young person, you're going through. I don't know if you know this, but my passion is young people. I love young people. That's why I started The Rock. Almost all those messages, they're good for anybody. Anybody will get something out of them, but they're uniquely designed and spoken to young people, with young people in mind, issues that they're facing. Put them on your iPod. I've had people tell me, Mark, it's changed my workout. I get on the treadmill now and I don't get so tired because I got you kind of screaming in my ear and it inspires me and keeps me going. <clears throat> I don't mean to scream in your ear. You fortunately have a volume control on your own there. My, my wife really appreciates that actually. <laughs> Listen to them. If you can at work, I had, I had a young person write to me, say, Mark, I got permission to listen to at work. It's been life-changing. I sit and I enter stuff, data all day long, and I just listen. And this person, I've just seen so much growth in their life in one year since they started coming. <clears throat> they will powerfully impact your life. Number five, do what God shows you each day. As you read his word, ask yourself, what is God's truth saying to me? What is God saying to me? What is he telling me to do What is he informing me about? Number six, devote yourself to fellowship with Christians. Get involved in the church. They are your body. Meeting with them is not optional. They're your life as air is your life. Acts 2.42 said the early Christians were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to taking meals together, and to prayer. We need each other. I have been... 38 years in unbroken fellowship with other men and women who are trying to follow Christ. There's not a week that has gone by that I have not met in some way with other Christians in the body of believers that I'm with. To pray, to share, to encourage one another, to meet at a church meeting or small group or house church. It is vital for your faith. And the last one I want to share with you is exercise your faith in your present circumstances. This is really important. Exercise your faith in the present circumstances you're in right now. What does that mean? In other words, believe God. Embrace the trial he has you in. Stop resenting it and embrace it in demonstrating your trust in him. Exercise your faith in your attitude of cheerfulness and hopefulness These things make your faith stronger and impact your life and your spirit. Grumbling will not make you grow. It will shrink your spirit and weaken your faith and resolve. Did you know that? Did you know this is the great 
danger of grumbling. In our hearts, we may not be the person outwardly who does, but in our heart and in our mind, if our thoughts are always grumbling about our lot in life, grumbling about other people, grumbling about our situation, it weakens your spirit, it weakens your resolve, and it destroys your faith. And God wants you to learn in the situations that he's brought in your life right now, right now, Know this, God does not do random. God is like Mr. Miyagi. For those of you that heard the series, get that one. That might really help you. You're waxing on, you're waxing off. He's got you doing something like that right now. And you're thinking, what is the point? What are you doing? What is this baloney? I want to be a godly Christian. And you're waxing on and waxing off. And he's going, that's the point here. Work with me. Work with your attitude. Work with your attitude. You know... I thought of a little example this week, and I'll end with this. Maybe this will be helpful. Some of you here tonight are parents. A lot of you are not. Someday you will be. If you were your parent, how would you raise yourself? How would you raise yourself? So I'll give you an example. I was at a uh, retreat, not here with anyone here, no one here. And it was in another part of the country. I was at this retreat. It was kind of a smaller retreat, <clears throat> and there were some young people there, and, and uh, I was with another pastor, and he knew some of these people a little better than I did. So we got up one morning, and when we got up, there was no coffee. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not an ultra coffee drinker. I've just begun. I have usually a cup in the morning, and that's it, because the last thing you want is a real caffeinated bark. We don't need that. <clears throat> and, um, and so... There was this particular young lady that woke up, you know, because we were all in these, like, bunk rooms. And so there was a, you know, a girl section, a guy section, and then we had this cafeteria area. And and, uh, her friends were there. They knew her pretty well. And she came out, and, I mean, she looked like, um, well, sullen, no smile. Where's the coffee? Uh, Well, they don't have any. What do you mean they don't have any? Where's the coffee? Well, they don't have any. And her friends started a teaser, and, uh, and we'll just call her Barbara. They said, yeah, Barbara is not a morning person. You know what I thought to myself? If you were my three-year-old, I, just, I would have just spanked you. Your attitude sucks. That is not how you greet the day. That is not the way you wake up and interact with other people. You walk around sullen like someone just hits you with a two-by-four. That's a choice. Now, as she came up and go, oh, you know, guys, I'm really sick. Something I ate last night. I, I understand that. This was a choice that was being made. Do you understand? I'll tell you something about you and I have got to learn to look at ourselves and train our inner three-year-old to stop being a spoiled little brat. Change your attitude, Mark. I'm not saying mine's perfect all the time. I'm saying that I'm always working on it. I'm leading it. I'm working to lead it. And we've got to learn to train ourselves. If you don't learn to train yourself, what hope do your children have? What expectations are you going to have with your children? Well, I'd love to get off on that tonight. My wife and I had some pretty high expectations. Not, Not... 
unreasonable expectations, but high expectations. We really believed it was possible to treat, teach children to be cheerful and to be a joy to be around and that it could be enjoyable. And guess what? It happened. And people would comment on it all the time. And people would actually call Kathy and I, could I please come over and babysit your children? My children used to get persecuted at school and in karate because they smiled too much. How hard is it to learn to smile? Do you know that I could show you studies that prove that if you smile, you'll ward off depression? If you learn to smile, if you learn to put it on your face, if you learn to cheer up your attitude, if you learn to choose it. Now, as Christians, here's the thing. The Bible tells us, always be joyful. That doesn't mean there's not grief and sorrow. The Bible tells us there will be. But apart from that, we need to learn to see through the eyes of eternity. Lord, I have everything. You've been so good to me. I have you. I have your son. I have been forgiven. I have a reason to smile. And if there's no coffee, we will adapt, improvise, and overcome. (laughs) But there's people here, Lord, this morning, and I want to greet them well. Now, anyway. I trust that you will really think about these things. I'm begging you, please think about these things because they'll change your life. They'll change your life and they will set you up. You guys are all young enough. Most of you here are not married. They'll set you up for a wonderful, meaningful marriage. Not perfect. There'll be problems to work through. There'll be difficulties to work through. We can handle those. But if you see to your faith, if you strengthen your faith, if you build your faith, you'll be stunned at what you're able to handle. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness and your grace and your love. And Lord, these things tonight, they speak to me. I know, Lord, that I need to continue to excel still more in my thankfulness, in your command to always be joyful, in your command in Romans to stay spiritually aglow, in your command to be considerate to others, to be thoughtful to others. I just ask you, Heavenly Father, you'd help me to continue to grow in my faith. Help each of us, Lord, to take the simple little steps that we've talked about tonight, just a little at a time, a little at a time, day in and day out for the rest of our lives. Wow, what an experience of God it will be. In Jesus' name, amen.